If you're wondering why you should listen to me, I'm your everyday 24-year-old guy going through everyday struggles. And maybe, just maybe, you'll feel better knowing you're not alone. My name is Brandon Dennis, a nursing student living in New York. Interested in learning all that I can, I make friends with all kinds of people. Everything from music to business and fitness, I'm open to hear everything and anything. Welcome to the Unwritten Podcast. All right. Well, welcome again, everyone, to the Unwritten Podcast. My name is Brandon Dennis, and we are here for the third episode of the Unwritten Podcast. This has been a really great journey for me. I'm really glad that people have been listening. I've been getting some great feedback. I've been getting some criticism, too. Um, I love all the energy from you guys, so just continue to do what you do. Uh, Hit me up via my personal uh, social media on the Unwritten Podcast social media. That's going to be at Unwritten Pod. That's on Twitter. Hit me up, uh, send me, uh, you know, get me my, uh, get me in the mentions, uh, hit me up in, my, in the DMs, anything you want to do to try and, you know, communicate and get a conversation going over there. So, uh, without further ado, we'll get on with the episode. So, what I have on schedule for today is one major topic that'll kind of roll into another thing that is bigger and uh, larger than all of us at the moment. But, you know, yes, uh, last uh, last week, I spoke a little bit about how to handle failures, and I believe for a quick second, I kind of mentioned the term uh, building resilience. Uh, so we're just going to kind of roll off of that last theme and roll into building resiliency, you know, trying to figure out what it is, why it's important, why it's important for us to build it, and why, uh, you know, it's great for our overall being and health to be resilient people. So... Uh, the first thing I'm going to do is just, you know, what I usually do with most of the things I've been doing so far is defining what we're talking about so we understand exactly what we're talking about. So what exactly is resiliency? What exactly is resilience? So uh, according to the American Psychological Association, uh, psychologists define resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress. Uh, so significant sources of stress are obviously going to vary per person. Uh, what's stressful for me may not be so stressful for you, vice versa. Um, a couple things that I think can, uh, you know, apply to most people, serious health problems. Uh, you get a diagnosis that you have cancer, you have a terminal illness, uh, you cannot, uh, you know, do the regular things that you used to do. You can no longer play a sport you used to play, things like that. Uh, they could be family or relationship problems. Uh, you're going through a hard breakup. Uh, you know, you you uh, had a relationship of five years and it finally ended. Or you no longer get along with your father for whatever reason. Uh, there's abuse issues happening in the household. Uh, things of that nature. Uh, even this pandemic could be a source of significant stress for, for uh, you know, some of us. You know, a lot of us have regular schedules, have regular jobs where... Um, you know, every day is sort of pre-planned for us. We understand, you know, Monday, you go to work, you do this, whatever. Tuesday, you go to work, you do whatever you got to do. And then maybe your weekends, you're, you already know what you're going to do. You know, things are planned out. There's that, like I was saying in the first episode, there's a continuity, there's a level of consistency, there's a level of, you know, certainty from day to day while things are uncertain right now. And with everything happening where we're supposed to be staying at home, we're supposed to be, you know, kind of like locked up in lockdown and quarantine in order to, you know, preserve public health and everything like that. 
those those can be very stressful situations because we have never been in a situation like this ever before. It's very novel. It's very uh, it's very new. So uh, that's another source of of significant stress if you can uh, think about that. So now that we know that resiliency is the ability to adapt well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, or threats or significant sources of stress. Uh, so let's talk about you know, more on those sources of stress and, you know, trauma and adversity and things like that. So the thing that I want to make sure that, you know, resilience doesn't, what, what resilience is not. So we know what it is, but we also need to kind of cover what it's not. So it does not mean that you'll never experience difficult times. And it is not a personality trait. When I say it's not a personality trait, it's not something that you are just born with. This is something that you can uh, that you can build, you know, this is something, this is almost like a, le- it's a learned behavior. That's exactly what it is. Um, I have here that resilience is equal to your thoughts plus your behaviors plus your actions. So those things kind of go into kind of like an order, like, oh, my thoughts become my words, my words become my actions kind of deal. Uh, there's uh, some validity to that. Um, so I also have written here that that I found a really interesting quote when I was researching resilience and everything. It says, like building a muscle, increasing your resilience takes time and intentionality. So, you know, if, you know, for any of our gym rats that are out there that are missing the gym so much, uh, you understand that, uh, that when you work out, you put a certain amount of stress on your muscles. Uh, after you're done with your workout, you rehydrate, you refuel, you eat, you sleep your muscles recover and they come back stronger. But that only happens if you go and work out and you do all the things that you need to do to recover. So the same thing with resilience, it's a very intentional process in where you need to kind of work at these thoughts, work at these behaviors, work at these actions in order to become more resilient. And going back to my first point, saying that this does not mean that you will not experience difficult times, the end-all be-all is that you cannot avoid adversity. It is only a matter of time at which you face adversity. There are people who are, you know, lucky enough to not come in contact with a lot of difficult times, that they have the benefit of the doubt that uh, they're able to be in a, uh, a kind of a situation where they don't need to face difficult times or adversity. They're lucky enough that they don't have, you know, childhood traumas or traumas right now. There's nothing that's significant in their life. They haven't been through a hurricane. They haven't been through, you know, death threats. They haven't been through, you know, and God forbid any of these things happen to you. But these are things that, you know, eventually happen. And maybe not this, those great significant ones where they are life-threatening to you, but like I also said at the end of the definition, or significant sources of stress. So it doesn't need to be life-threatening, but things that put you in an increased state of stress, uh, in uh, a case where you're going to have increased levels of cortisol, uh, you know, you, where you're significantly stressed out and there there's an issue that kind of impedes your, your regular daily life. So just want to make sure that you understand that adversity is going to come to you. You have to understand that you will eventually get that phone call. You will eventually get, uh, you know, you know, that person that tells you something. You will eventually fail that test. You will eventually, you know, not get your license. You know, all those things that happen in regular life, 
they're part of regular life. So now we know what resilience is, we know what it's not, and we understand that uh, we cannot avoid adversity. It's only a matter of time that it comes to us. And we also understand that it's not a personality trait. This is something that everybody can build. Some people may be more resilient in the beginning, but everyone can build a certain amount of resilience. So now that we know that, let's talk about how do we build this resilience? How do we build this, Brandon? You're talking all this crazy nonsense and I'm not really getting it. Why is it important? Uh, what do we do? How do we build it? So uh, I took it upon myself to kind of do a little bit of research, try and find some things that were a little bit, you know, science based. I try to find everything from reputable sources when I bring information to you guys. So uh, the following points that I'm going to speak to you about, I've gathered it from the Greater Good magazine, the science based insights from Meaningful Life and the American Psychology Association. So I got uh, lists from Berkeley, I got a list from Stanford, um, an article from American Psychological Association. I kind of looked at all of them. They all generally said the same things. Sometimes they were worded a little bit differently, but I took it upon myself to kind of compile these lists into the major points and kind of brought out some of the, you know, the little, the main sub points in each one of those categories. And I kind of, uh, you know, made a, a little list to list off to you guys. So I have three major categories for building resilience. Our first one here is going to be building connections. So building connections can help us build resilience uh, when we're talking about our relationships. So those can be our friends, that could be our spouse, it could be our loved ones, it could be our coworkers. Basically any interpersonal uh, interaction that you may have with another person. Reason for these relationships is that once you build that bond, that trust with that person, you can trust them to listen to you. And having someone actively listen to you is super, super important when you come in uh, in the face of adversity. Hey, your mom dies, who's your support system? You know what I mean? Oh, you just came into a car crash and you may be paralyzed from the, the waist down? Who are you going to talk to? Who is the person that you're able to lean on? Who is the rock that is going to listen, that is going to support you through your hard times? So building relationships is definitely, definitely, definitely super important. I also have groups here. So let's say, for example, these are mainly like civic groups and uh, support groups and things like that. So let's say um, Alcohol Anonymous, that, that, could be a, that could be a support group. So you are a recovering alcoholic, uh, you know, say you were clean for, for 10 years, you are no longer clean, and now you're, go, you're starting the process all over. You thought you were smooth sailing, you've been so great and everything, but now you've re-hit that adversity. It hit you again 10 years ago and it's hitting you now. Who are you going to go to? Let's say your family's not involved. Let's say that most of your friends are out of town or whatever. You don't have a way to communicate with them. So now you lean on a group of people that have the same sort of uh, values. They are there to support you and their purpose is that everyone that has the same issue can come together and speak with each other and kind of uplift each other. Really great way to have you know more emotional support other than your interpersonal relationships. Now, uh, building connections with yourself. Um, so a little bit of the, the sub bullets that I have here are going to uh, be mindful. 
So just understanding yourself, always being self-aware of your feelings, your emotions, what's going on around you. Um, Understanding that whatever you're going through, there's a high probability that others have been through the same thing. And just like how I say in the intro, understand that you're not alone. I think that's such a big, big thing. I feel like we go through a lot of issues day to day and we always feel like, wow, like this sucks. Oh my God, why is this happening to me? Uh, this is such a crazy thing. I don't know if I can handle it. Understand that when you go through issues, when you go through adversity, um, even certain traumas, there there is a high chance that there's other people out there that have been through the exact same thing and that you need to understand that you're not alone and that's why we build the other connections with uh, our other relationships and our civic groups and such. Uh, being kind to yourself. So self, uh, positive self-talk, uh, positive reinforcement in that regard is super, super important because that builds a level of confidence in your abilities to do things. It builds uh, your confidence in your abilities to bounce back from those uh, hard times. Uh, also, we need to care for our bodies. So that's just like overall like mental health, physical health, spiritual health, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, you're eating the good foods, you're hydrating the way that you should. But like really, really basic stuff when I say that, very, very literal. And also avoiding negative outlets. So avoiding negative outlets, basically, if you are the kind of person that when you reach a bump in the road and you turn to substance abuse, you turn to alcohol, you turn to anything that is going to negatively impact your health in the long run, avoid those things. They feel great, you know, whatever it is that 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 gets your fix or whatever. A lot of people understand it and there's a reason why, you know, addiction and things of that nature are very, very real medical problems. It, they, they are real problems, but if you can try and build on, you know, the relationship with yourself, the relationship with others, and if you need civic support groups, they're out there. You just need to try and find them or find someone who can lead you in the direction of a civic group. You know, work work on your coping mechanisms so you don't have to rely so heavily on uh, those negative outlets. So, like I said, uh, building, that, building that connection with yourself, remember everything that I said about uh, self-intimacy. All right, so that's that first section. So making sure that you build connections uh, with your relationships, yourself, and your civic groups. All right, so our second little category here is going to be building mindset or perspective. I should really say building mindset and perspective. They're not the same thing, so uh, what we're going to do in this section is, when I say mindset, uh, I want everyone to kind of think of, how do you think about your regular problems uh, day to day? we, what we want to do is we want to kind of shift our our mindset from, you know, blaming other things around us or other people around us and being very, very realistic and taking control of our lives and making sure that we are doing everything that we can to change them and better our futures. So building that mindset, building perspective. So we need to identify our irrational thinking and our catastrophizing thinking. So when I say irrational thinking and catastrophizing thinking, so let's say uh, you are going to class and you forgot your pen or pencil on the day of the test. Okay, logically, actually no, we'll, we'll do the irrational one first. 
oh no, I don't have a pencil. I can't take the test. I can't take the test. I'm going to get a zero. I get a zero. I get a bad grade in the class. I fail the class. I fail the class. I don't graduate. I don't graduate. I don't get a job. I don't get a job. I don't get money. I don't get money. I don't have a home to live in. I don't have anything. I live on the street. Oh no, I'm homeless. Slow down. Please, <laughs> please slow down. Just because you forgot a pencil or you forgot a pen, that's not the end of the world. That is that whole like downward spiral thinking. It's not realistic. Just because you forgot one thing, okay, well, let's stop. Let's think. Let's assess the situation. All right. So instead of, you know, going down that downward spiral, let's think logically and let's be realistic. Okay, I forgot a pen or pencil. Let me ask my neighbor for a pen or pencil. And I get that this is a pretty extreme uh, sort of scenario, but kind of a think of things where, think of scenarios where in your life you would kind of go down that downward spiral and you would kind of go out of control where you're thinking and you're not really thinking realistic. It's kind of hard to do in the beginning, but if you did something that you work on intentionally, you'll be able to catch yourself in those little mind traps. And you'll be able to stop that little, uh, that, uh, that train of thought. Okay. So in that same regard, we need to choose to respond to our issues and problems and not react. So this is a really, really hard one. So reacting you know, we already have uh, like a certain thought or connotation when we hear react. Oh my God, she overreacted. She shouldn't have done that. You know, so reacting, it's it's kind of put into this place where it's very emotional. It's very, you know, quick. It's not thought out. But when we respond, that's when we take a moment to stop, to breathe, to really critically think about what's happening to us. What is happening? What can I do in this present moment? And now, instead of reacting, I'm being logical, I'm going to respond. Uh, accepting that adversity and change is a part of life. So just how before I said that you can't avoid adversity, it, only, it's, it just comes down to a matter of time in which you'll face adversity, but also having the mindset of understanding that, okay, it is a part of life that people go through adversity. Is that a great thing? Uh, no, but we need to understand that this is, that's this part of real life. You know, people come and go, people get into accidents, people get bad medical diagnoses. You uh, may fall behind in rent. Uh, you know, you may get fired from your job. You, you know, those things are just part of natural life. And we need to understand that we need to accept these things. And once we kind of accept that that's part of it, you know, we don't really get shocked as much when adversity comes and hits us. And having hopeful outlook. So uh, for this, I kind of wrote in little parentheses, visualize what you want rather than what you fear. So when I say that, I want you to kind of always be in the mindset of, okay, let's say you, you, you're fearful of failure at your new um, office job, you just got hired out of college, whatever, and you got this new job and you want to impress your, your peers, you want to impress your boss, you want to move up the ranks very, very quickly, but you are scared of doing anything wrong. So you are just always on edge. You're super, super anxious. You are fidgeting in the meeting rooms and everything. Okay. So instead of focusing on oh my God, I might make a mistake. I can't do this. I can't do that. Why don't you visualize the great things? Okay. 
if I bang out all my projects early, I can ask if anybody else needs help with anything. Uh, by doing so, my boss will see that I'm a hard worker. Uh, I'm very time, uh, you know, uh, I'm very efficient with my time. I'm able to work with a team. I'm a team player, this and that, whatever. And then I'll get that promotion and I'll move up the ranks much faster. Shifting your perspective from the negative thoughts of, oh, this is going to happen. I'm scared of this. Okay, let's shift gears and let's think about the things that we can do and have the hopeful outlook that if I do these things, great things will come to me. And also nurturing a positive view of yourself. So this uh, kind of overlaps with that first section when I said building that relationship with yourself. Uh, you need to understand that the way that you think and feel about yourself is super, super impactful on your mental health, on your physical health, on your spiritual health. The way that, you know, I say, you know, develop positive self-talk. You know, always talk to yourself like, you are a winner, even when, even on the days when you don't feel like you're winning, on the days where things are crappy, things are not, nothing's going your way, uh, you don't want to go through this and everything, but you need to build yourself up because at the end of the day, you are going to be the last person. You you're gonna, you're always going to have your own back. You know what I mean. So you need to make sure that you're positive and confident in yourself and your abilities to, to do things and to uh, succeed and to basically, when in the face of adversity, you're able to say, okay, this is really, really hard, but I'm super, super confident in myself and I know that I can get through this or I can overcome this. This is not going to be the end of me. Uh, build it, building yourself up in a, positive, in a positive light is super, super important. All right, so... Basically, to wrap up that section, it's being realistic, choose to respond and not react, uh, making sure that you have a visualization of what you want, and visualizing yourself in a positive light. All right, and now our last section is going to be finding purpose or fostering self-worth. So this one's a little bit uh, iffy, but uh, help others is the first thing I have. So when I say help others, uh, there is a naturally great feeling that you get when you help somebody. And this could be, the, you know, the simplest little thing. Uh, you see an elderly person and they're trying to cross the street, so you help them across the street. Um, you see that someone is trying to reach for something, but they are, uh, they can't reach it, so you grab it for them. Um, someone can't read something, so you read it for them. You know, those little tiny things, it doesn't have to be, you know, you're saving a baby from a burning building. You are, it, it doesn't have to be something so crazy and dramatic. It, the little things, helping others, builds a level of self-worth to the point where you feel, like I said, more confident in yourself, and you're also building yourself in that positive view light. And you're kind of finding purpose because you feel good about helping people. Um, another thing is always being proactive in your problems. Okay, uh, I am behind on rent. What can I do right now? What can I do right now to better my problem? What can I do right now to make sure that I'm a better in a, in a better spot than I today? Ooh, what can I do today that will put me in a better spot tomorrow? Excuse me. Uh, so I'm behind on rent. Uh, right now. 
on the schedule. I'm only working three days. Okay, so let me call all my coworkers and ask them if I can pick up their shifts. Okay, I can't pick up shifts from any of my coworkers. Let me call my manager and let them know my situation. Hey, I'm sorry, Bob, to bother you. I know you're super busy right now, but here's my situation really quickly. Um, I'm really falling behind on my bills. I'm really falling behind on rent, and I need extra shifts because I need to pay. If I don't do that, I'll probably have to cut my hours here and get a, jo- a second job. I don't really want to do that because I really love the company that I work for. So can you help me out really quickly? You know, talking to people and figuring out things in that kind of light or just whatever your issue is, what just you literally just ask yourself the question, what can I do now to better my problem? It's kind of hard to do that in the moment because when bad things happen to us, we go through that crazy downward spiral thinking where woe is me thinking, where you know we're feeling self-pity and all those other things, but it's the intentional thought of saying, okay, I'm not going to feel bad for myself. I'm not going to feel bad for my situation. I'm going to go and do something about it. Okay, and moving forward, move towards your goals. Have things that you are working towards career paths uh things of that nature you know anything that you set as a goal whether they're personal they could be fitness goals health goals uh career goals you know anything like that that's building a little bit of purpose in your life and lastly is look for opportunity for self-discovery so We understand from last episode that we're supposed to use our failures as lessons in order to, you know, use our failures as lessons for the future so that we don't make the same mistakes. Uh, Same thing for self-discovery and when we come and face trauma, all right? So uh, let's say you, you and your brother were walking down the street one night, it was dark, whatever, whatever, and there was a drive-by shooting and you see your sibling die, okay? That is traumatizing. That is awful. But those are real things that happen to certain people. They see people that they love die in front of them. And that is horrific. And I don't wish that upon anybody. But these, I'm just trying to say uh, a scenario that is fairly realistic. Uh, so you grow from those struggles. You understand what you will do for your other lo- your other loved ones. You will understand what you're going to do for your children. You understand that maybe, all right, I need to grow from this neighborhood or I need to grow from this area. I need to make sure that I'm safer and I make better decisions in the future. Not to put blame, not to put blame on the victims at hand, not at all. That's not what we're trying to do, but I'm just saying that you can use your struggles to grow from them and learn a little bit about your yourself okay under these circumstances this x y and z happened to me and i came out of that and i'm so much better of a better person all right so though so that is basically it for building resilience uh we'll just kind of run it back very quickly is going to be building our connections through relationships groups and ourselves remembering to always remember things about self-intimacy being mindful knowing that you're not alone Uh, We are also going to be building mindset and perspective, changing our mindset from being very negative to very positive, also being very realistic with ourselves, Uh, you know, accepting adversity for what it is and understanding that that and change is a part of life. Uh, Also trying to find purpose through helping others, always being proactive in our our problems and moving towards our goals and also looking for opportunities for self-discovery. 
so now that we're at this point in the show, uh, I didn't really write anything down. Um, I kind of wanted this to be uh, not impromptu because if I wanted it to be impromptu, I wouldn't have thought about it at all. But I just want to bring attention to what's happening in America. And I was very, very, you know, torn apart thinking about talking about this on this show. Um, I never, ever wanted this show to be anything that could be divisive anyway. I didn't never wanted this show to be something that, you know, people would leave because their political ideas or their social ideas don't align with mine. I never, ever wanted this to come to this point. Um, but at the same time, me not wanting to think about this or talk about this on this show, I felt was a huge disservice. And granted, the audience I have is very small at the moment. And I understand that out of like my, what, 12 people audience, I might lose like, let's say a half or whatever for quote unquote radical thinking, you know, this 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 whole thing, this whole show, the up the the unwritten podcast, is going to grow to be something so much larger and bigger, and I and I truthfully believe that. So if I lose some people now, that's not going to impact me down the road. That's not going to impact me six months down the road, twelve months down the road, two years down the road. That's not going to affect me. And honestly, I rather know that my listeners are people of the same morals and values that I am about then have people tag along and then later down the line have to face this. So it's almost from the get-go. This is episode three. If you liked one and two and you don't like what I say now, you know, you don't have to listen anymore. You can listen more. That's your choice. So uh, for anyone that has been, you know, semi-alive, had a pulse, eyeballs, ears, uh, we already know what I'm going to be talking about, and that is going to be the horrific thing that has happened to George Floyd over in Minneapolis. Uh, it, it is extremely, extremely frustrating, and it's also uh, incredibly difficult for me to kind of form into words exactly how I feel because I have such a twist of emotions, uh, emotions that are... You know, I, I feel I feel anger, I feel frustration, I feel pain, I feel just a, a whirlwind of emotions. It's it's one of those things that uh, you see happen over and over and over and over and over again, and you you kind of almost trick yourself to think that all right, that 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 has to be the last one. There can't be another. But. There was something about the way that George Floyd went when Derek Chauvin had placed his knee on his neck for nine minutes that it it sparked something in America. It it put a little bit of fire under everybody and it kind of caused a chain reaction across the nation that we need to do more. We need to be proactive in this issue because when we look at things like racism, when we look at things like that, it's something that should not be acceptable in any capacity. Any capacity. So, uh, 
you know, when I first saw the video, it was it was a very I had a very visceral reaction to it. I it it turned my insides. I wanted I was cringing. I wanted to look away because it was just so gruesome the behavior of those four men. Um, and the thing is, all we want is is justice for for George Floyd. We just we want to understand that the systems that are in place don't just attack people of color, attack black people. We want to understand that when you commit something wrong, no matter what uniform, what position of authority that you're in, you are going to be tried. You're going to be uh, placed on trial or whatever. You're going to be convicted for your crimes. That was clearly, clearly murder. There, there, there's a certain sound to that word, murder. It, it, it has intentionality. It has premeditation. It has all sorts of, you know, those kind of, it's thoughtful. It's not something that is really accidental. You don't just call murder and say, oh, I murdered somebody by accident. I murdered, you know, that, that doesn't happen. When you press your full body weight onto someone's neck for nine minutes and you hear this man gasping for air and saying, I can't breathe. And I mean, there's a load of other issues that, that kind of go all, all around this. Uh, and granted, this I understand that this is left-wing media. I get that. But according to CNN... You know, the tactics that he was using were not even part of his training. So, okay, this you already have this man under control. So why go the way, why go the route that you did? Why have the other people come around? Why have that fourth man stand there and watch you? And here's the thing that I was talking to somebody about and... I think it's a little bit of an ego thing. I think it's a little bit of, you know, the 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 cop image. People that are in places of a, of authority don't want to be told what to do by people who are quote unquote underneath them. So a police officer is not going to listen to a civilian, regardless of whether he's right or wrong, just because he is quote unquote above you in authority. He's not going to listen to you because he doesn't want to look dumb or stupid or embarrassed or put shame to the police name, which is absolute nonsense to me. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, but getting on with you know everything, everything that's happening across America is happening for a reason. People are outraged. People are angry. People are done with the hurt. People need to hear, have their voices heard, and that is why all the protests are happening. And for the, the the riots that happened in Minneapolis, with you know, you know, the destruction of buildings, the vandalism, and the burning down of Target, people need to understand that the the protests and everything were peaceful at first. All protests are peaceful at first, and they get violent when they're met with extreme resistance. And when I say extreme resistance, I'm talking about when you have cops that show up and they're out there shooting protesters with rubber bullets. They're using tear gas. They're using all these tactics to get people off the roads. But you know what? 
when we talk about that Target, that Target refused to sell milk and medical supplies to those that have been affected by the protest. And so that was a reaction. And I know we just talked about we need to learn to respond and not react. But you need to understand that when we, and when I say we, I mean black people, when black people have been in a position where they have felt lesser, where they have been abused, where they have been treated like the bottom of the barrel for 300 years. When we see black men, when we see police brutality to black men and we see black men dying week after week after week and there is no justice, almost little to none of these police officers are facing any sort of significant sort of punishment, emotions, uh, you know, emotions boil over. And that's just, that's just a fact. 300 years worth of all sorts of systemic oppression, systemic racism, it, it gets to a group of people. I know this, this, this is a little bit rambly and there's no real structure to it, but I'm just sort of speaking my mind as thoughts come to me. And like I said, uh, as everything's been happening, it, is, it has been so hard to kind of organize everything because... You know, you wake up, you open up your phone, you are scrolling through social media, and you cannot get away from this. So as hurtful and as, you know, as, you know, as, as hurtful and visceral as everything is, you can't escape that. And if I feel that way, imagine how George Floyd's family feels. His sister his brothers, his mother, his father. It's indescribable. All right. What I want to say is that with everything going on, we need to make sure that we are heard. You know, actually, I'm going to run this back a little bit. Speaking about those protests and everything, speaking about the riots, I had seen a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., and this one's a little bit lengthy. This is from his speech, Other America. I took some time today to listen to it, kind of understand what was the point of this speech, what's the context behind it, because just having one, a, you know, a, a paragraph quote from a 45-minute speech does not tell me the entire, uh, the entire, you know, doesn't give me the identity of this speech. So I took some time to listen to it. It was so powerful, so moving, and I think we really forget, and like, like I said, even me as a black man, I forget how impactful Martin Luther King Jr. was, and the way that he speaks, the way that he delivers his words, it has intention. There is a bass to his voice. The mids in his voice are unwavering. The highs in his voice, they're crisp and they snap. It, he's an incredible man. And uh, the other, other America, this speech, was basically a speech that was given on a tour for the Poor People's Campaign back in 1967. And it was basically to try and get a little bit more rac uh, racial equality in uh, economic standpoints, getting things like affordable housing, uh, unemployment uh, insurance, uh, things of that nature, to kind of level out the 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 fiscal the fiscal part of things, the money part of things. Uh, 
So I'm just going to read this quote, and I apologize because it is lengthy, but I, I promise you that there, there is a purpose to me reading this. All right. Let me say, as I've always said, and I will always continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I am convinced that nonviolence is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom and justice. I feel that violence will only, uh, will only create more social problems than they will solve. That in the real sense, oh, excuse me, that in a real sense, uh, it is impracticable. Excuse me, guys. That in the real sense is impracticable, impracticable for the Negro to even think of mounting a violent revolution in the United States. So I will continue to condemn riots and continue to say to my brothers and sisters that this is not the way, and continue to affirm that there is another way. But at the same time, it is as necessary for me to be as vigorous in condemning the conditions which cause persons to feel they must engage in riotous activities as it is for me to condemn riots. I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is, a, is the language of the unheard. And what is that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear the promise of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo that, than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so... In a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postponed justice, we stand in the position of having these reoccurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute granters of riot prevention. Guys, that was said 50 years ago. And even though I butchered it a little bit, I, I, I'm feeling a lot of emotion just reading that over again. The quote that I had saw was talking about how riots are the language of the unheard. You have to, you have to understand, and like I said, I understand that this, is, this, this particular episode is a little rambly, but I'm, I'm trying to get a little point across that when people are unheard for hundreds of years and when people do peaceful protest and people are told that the peaceful protests are wrong, when we look at people like Colin Kaepernick, he took a knee when everybody told him not to. The NFL took knees when everyone told him not to and eventually they all were told to shut up and play football. We try the peaceful route and we get told time and time again that it's not good. So when we upgrade or we advance rather from peaceful protest, which is a response, and now we get emotional and we react out of anger and frustration because we're not being heard through the peaceful way, okay, then you get all sorts of rhetoric such as, you know, looters, rioters, thugs. How is that supposed to make any human being feel? 
we did it what we did it one way, you didn't like it. We do it the other way, you still don't like it. What America needs to do is listen to the issues and incite change from those issues. We need to progress. We there is Uh, this is this is really really tough on me guys and i'm very glad they were able to hear me and you know understand exactly what i'm trying to convey in real time cuz like i said i i purposely did not write anything down because i wanted this to be a very an emotion uh, uh you know uh, uh, a piece of this episode that was full of emotion that was you know informative but you know, just just giving a little bit of perspective. We are actually going to call it here, guys, because I don't want to make this run way too long. We're already at the 45-minute mark. But once again, guys, I just want to say thank you for all of your time for listening to the Unwritten Podcast. Uh, once again, we'll just run it back. Today's episode was about resilience and how to build it, what it is, what it's not. Uh, we need to We need to build our connections. We need to build mindset and perspective, find purpose, and also make sure that you do all that you can to support all the efforts that are happening in uh, Minneapolis. Listen to your black friends, listen to other black people, follow the Black Lives Matter movement, make sure that you are signing petitions, make sure you're making donations to memorial funds, to bailout funds. Those are the ways that if you are not black and you want to help, those are the ways to do it and i'll be posting a lot of that stuff on my social media so please uh stick with that that's going to be on twitter at unwritten pod uh once again on twitter at unwritten pod once again guys thank you all for listening and i'll catch you next time